0: Coming up on the show today, Newt Gingrich is making some serious cash. Can you patent human genes? And 78% of citizens do not trust the government. This and much, much more coming up on Informivores. Hello and welcome to InformaVores. I'm your host, Marcus Rippentrop. I'm Ryan
1: Jones. And I'm Alex Schumann. If you would like to join the conversation, please pop on to Facebook or Twitter, or you can email us at informaVoresRadio at gmail.com, and we will be happy to respond to any dissenting arguments you might have with what we say. And if you have anything that you could suggest for a topic for our next show, we would be happy to accept it and talk about it next week. Now, your Know Your Nation question for today is, what did FDR want to do with the Supreme Court during the Great Depression? Ryan, would you like to take us into our first topic?
2: Yeah. Uh, Newt Newt, uh, Gingrich is toying with a potential 2012 potential run. Uh, In the past three months, he has raised $2.7 million. This is more than Mitt Romney, Sarah Palin, Mike Huckabee, and Tim Pawlenty uh, brought in combined. Being a 527 tax-exempt group, it does not have any limitations on contributions from individuals and corporations. Under the 527 group, uh, Newt has accepted 10 separate donations well above the usual $5,000 limit. One such example is uh, $250,000 from an energy company. He has used his uh, committee, uh, called the American Solutions for Winning, to set up email lists, travel around the country, and pay consultants and political staff. So... Is new is uh, Nuta allowed to accumulate this amount, amount of money under uh, this five two seven group? As far as I know, I mean, if he if he legally is underneath, is he if he's
0: legally formed this five twenty seven group and and he's accepting donations that are allowed under that group, which it sounds like everything and anything you can take as much money as you want, then I don't think he's doing anything wrong. Uh, maybe he just knew about this and no one else did, but I find that really hard to believe. So
1: well, what's interesting is that he seems to have cause Other examples of a 527 group, for those who don't know, would be like the Republican National Committee. So he essentially invented his own political party entity to raise money through. So it's really just extremely clever. And I don't think it's illegal. However, it is. I don't think it should be allowed.
0: Yeah, because as far as I know, it's not. A, it's not an official political action committee, which is what almost every every candidate used, which we were talking about comparing. They have the five thousand dollars limit, and that's just um, that's usually what people create before they think about running for any kind of office, especially president. So I don't think he's doing anything wrong. I, I, I'm with you. I don't think that's the right way to do it, but. Newt Gingrich is pretty good about finding back doors to everything.
2: So should the 527 group be eliminated or do you find no problem with
0: this? No, I mean, they, they should st- still be around. I mean, as Alex said, the RNC and the DNC are both 527 groups. So you kind of got to have them. I would think if you're going to make a run for any kind of office, you should not be allowed to have a 527 group. But that gets into the question of, are they actually running or are they just trying to get their, you know, their movement heard or, mm-hmm. you know. Well, this oh.
1: is also part of the, Supreme Court decision a couple months ago about yeah, corporations and these kind of entities being able to push the, as much money as they want into political campaigns, and this is completely allowed over what they ruled.
0: Well, the, the ruling you're referring to allowed corporate donations, but not it's, it's still at the $5,000 cap, because under any other PAC, corporations are not allowed to, t- to donate any money. But the corporations are not allowed to donate to these PACs up to that
2: $5,000 limit, was my understanding. I could be wrong. Okay. But in case you're wondering, it was called the McCain feingold Gold Act that got repealed. Right. Yeah. Right. That was the campaign finance mm-hmm. reform. Yeah. That was in what, 2004? I think that's right. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure about that. So are there benefits uh, to the existence of this 527 group?
1: Well, yeah, if you're going to be backed by one of them, but if you're not going to be supported by the DNC or the RNC and you're some sort of independent entity, then no, you're not really going to be able to be heard unless you can also find some way to rise above these groups.
0: Yeah, um, there's a benefit for, I mean, if I mean originally this American Solutions for Winning group was not necessarily a political action committee and they had legitimate reasons to exist and they were trying to get these, these things known and get, get their, you know... Their opinions and their ideas out, so there's there's a benefit to that. But um, like Alex said, if you're going to be running against someone with a 527, you're kind of you're kind of already yeah. you know six feet behind.
1: And I think I want. I mean, the only question is if it's false advertising or not to say that they would be giving to a cause and not specifically for Newt Gingrich to become president. But then again, I think with all political action committees, you're kind of doing that mm-hmm. because, for instance, with Mike Huckabee, he's supporting. Representative Steve King in Iowa. He just announced, I don't remember the name, but some state representative who's running for the state house, and he supports Senator Grassley. So the money is used for other things, but I think people who believe in Newt Gingrich are just going to give money because it's Newt Gingrich.
2: So do you think uh, he is actually going to go run for president in 2012? Uh, He's given
1: speeches like it. Yeah. But
0: I, I see him going to try and run, but as far as his chances, they're a long shot. I mean, He was only Speaker of the House, what, like, he was in the 90s? Well, it was
1: 1994. He was one of the most powerful Speakers of the House in American history. Right, but
0: he also had a couple huge mess-ups that people aren't going to let him forget.
1: Oh, no. Well, one major thing that's going to happen is, see, he's going to run again, but it's going to come up that he pushed and pushed on the Clinton impeachment for having an affair while he was having an affair. And that's going to come back up. I don't care who you are. That's going to come back up and... When you are running within the Republican Party, that's all about values, it's all about, you know, your traditional family man is one of the key pillars of the party. I really don't think you can do that and find much success. And I don't think younger people are going to really react to Newt Gingrich. No.
0: Right. And you also got to tie in with the current political atmosphere. People are very mad at politicians and government and this whole two-sided, you know, their public image and their and they're actually just not anything like that. So I think that's going to get tied in with that too. So yeah. people and that- who don't know his name are, are, when they find out what he's done, they're not going to, they're not going to vote for him. No.
1: And that, and you know, he's coming back out with, they just recently released another contract. It wasn't called the contract with America. It was like the contract for America, which is what brought him such incredible success in the, in the 1994 election. And, I just don't think people want the same thing. I don't believe that, I mean, yeah, you're going to get some baby boomers who are still really excited and whoever's left from the greatest generation that were big conservatives that were strong, that were really happy back in the 94 elections. But for the most part, people don't want politics as usual and bringing back essentially, to me at least, the marker of when partisanship became a major problem. Was with, was with the contract with America? I don't really want to see another contract.
0: No, I I would agree, and you got to keep in mind that if he's going to try and run on these same issues and this, you know, the same idea that he did in the '90s, well, it's a completely different time now. I mean, yes, yes, it was only it was only ten, twenty years ago, but at the same time, I mean, look at just look at the economic situation was completely different, and how people viewed government was completely different. I mean. He really has – I don't think what he stands for and the way that he's been you know, campaigning in for himself, not necessarily for an office, but the way he's been portraying himself is going to really translate into any kind of support.
1: Yeah, and to those who haven't really been watching, he has actually been on the side of kind of how the Republican Party should become the party of yes, and he has been on the more positive side. He's not really with the Palin group, so he is at least accepting reality So that part is a positive for him. But right now, I would just call him a no win. I don't think he could win.
2: For sure. All right. Well, moving on. President Obama on Saturday accused Senator Mitch McCollin, the Republican leader, of waging a cynical and deceptive deceptive attack on a bill to tighten regulation of the national financial system and vowed to move ahead on the bill with or without the minority party support. McConnell is arguing that it is setting up a system for bailouts, setting up a $50 billion fund and the treasurer would have uh, the discretion to use this money when he sees fit to save these too-big-to-fail companies. So do you agree with the basic principle of this fund? Should there be a $50 billion fund to save these failing giant companies? Absolutely not.
0: No. (laughs) Just Uh, no. That's just, no. No. I just can't believe that that's actually considered a rational idea.
1: Precisely. (laughs) Because (laughs) it's just, it's absolutely absurd. There's no more risk. I don't understand how we can say yes you, there's but yet there's very little talk of tearing these companies apart. I believe that we and I know that it's been discussed. I'm not sure if it's been formally written down, but we need to have a limit on the amount of GDP a company can control of the United States. Wow. If they pay, I think that, that that is what I advocate because then that, that's how you can deem whether or not they should be taken apart because there should not be anything that is too big to fail.
0: See, I don't, I don't agree with that necessarily capping how much it can make of a GDP because you're gonna have to, you know, make it into some kind of weird percent. Because I think Bank of America is what you're talking about, right?
1: Yes. And they had one
0: <laughs> percent of the GDP, mm-hmm. right? So you'd have to, I mean, then that's that's one that's obviously the biggest company. I, I'm not in favor of the GDP regulation, but I, I would say that you do need to have some kind of way of. Of measuring when these companies are too big, and I, I wouldn't say necessarily based on their revenue or their sales figures, but more on like how many companies they can control. Because Bank of America is just this umbrella company for hundreds of these other companies that are involved in so many different oh, things. Thousands. Well, yeah. I mean, they're they're diversified in everything. So mm-hmm. I think you need you need to get in there and break some of those subsidiaries off and say, you know, you can't be part of Bank of the West or Bank of America now. You need to be your own company. Mm. But I would strong I would agree it's with you that I would strongly advocate.
1: That's trust true because that's true because I suppose companies don't necessarily have a ton of control because based on their profit.
0: Right. I mean, you can't punish so them. For, a, you can't yeah, punish them for being argument. too, you know, yeah. making too much money. Mm-hmm. But I think that you have to look at the scope of what they control. You, you you need to trust bust them. I mean, we need to go back like we did with the telephone companies and break them up. I mean, this is the the whole concept of too big to fail. I've said this many times before. I think if they're too big to fail, they're too big to exist. They're a monopoly. Or if, if, if not a monopoly, too strong of a player to get anybody else competitively
1: involved. Yes, I just don't understand why you can't have any risk. Yeah, I, I mean that's that's what key. is where yeah. like, this where is it? where where is the business? That's the key. That's the key thing of business
0: is is managing your risk, taking risks to get bigger rewards. And if they if they succeed, you get the money. If you if you're, if you take a bad risk, you lose money. But if you have this fifty billion dollar you know protection, this fifty billion dollar fund. What are you going to I mean there's I, no reason
1: gonna, to actually care about your business.
0: Exactly, that's the whole this whole this whole
1: reason of risk. There's nothing there. If this I whole, was the board of directors, I could appoint a baby. Right. And it doesn't make a difference because if my company falls apart, I'm still going to be able to have a huge I'm still going to be able to get my full salary because the company is not going to be in danger at all mm-hmm. and the company's not going to need any of my salary to stay alive because the government's going to come in and bail it out. So it doesn't make a difference.
0: That's how we got into this, was taking bad risks in the subprime mortgage and making people in, in the housing market, giving people mortgages that they knew they couldn't afford. I mean, these things have come out that, that they were giving bad risks. So now you want to create this this pillow, this protection for these well, companies and that, the, and
1: that don't deserve it? And like, they could take more created, bad risks. I mean, and, that, and a big thing to point out is that that risk, that lack of risk was created by the ability or, excuse me, the belief that they the government would save them because Greenspan was this miracle man, and he had created this standard that no matter what happens, no matter what decisions you make, your company's going to be fine, and the government's going to do whatever it can to make sure that it's fine. So the government really created this kind of stigma, and I think that it just cannot exist. I know that we don't want... I know that it's... We don't want failure within the economy, but right. But you have you have to have risk. Yeah, you can't you
0: can't just allow these companies to exist and think that no matter what they do, they're gonna be there. I mean, they have to, there has to be a certain amount of fear in these companies that if they make this, they have to take these decisions so much more seriously. They can't just say, "Uh, well, the government's gonna be here." They have to know that if they mess up. They're done. Them, everyone else they know, the entire company is going down. I mean, small businesses don't get that kind of
2: benefit. Why should these large, huge corporations get that? That doesn't make any sense. So what do you guys think of Obama's comments of uh, McConnell being cynical and deceptive? Is McConnell actually being this, or is he just trying to advocate for what he believes in? I'll, I'll, um, I'll actually take the president's
0: side in this. He is being very deceptive because it's only one portion of the bill, and yeah. – and they said that they're not they're not wed to it, which is a really way, weird way of saying they don't really they're not you know obsessed over it. So that part can go. And McConnell is trying to play this off that it's just this huge bailout part, what three or four, whatever we're on. Yeah. But I mean, he's doing what he's supposed to do. But yes, he's also not telling the whole story. Then again, that's what all politicians do
2: anymore. So, yeah. Uh, one last thing I'd like to highlight with the story was the last line of the article uh, says that the taxpayers won't be paying for this fifty billion dollar. Uh, fun, but the banks themselves would be, but they don't go in into anything further. I just want to know how they expect to get this fifty billion dollars from these giant companies. Are they just this, gonna, they're just going to go and grab it and take this it? This is this is why I don't understand
0: why government tries to regulate things it has no idea about. How can you expect these businesses? I mean, what? Wh- how can you do that? There's, they have no idea what they're doing. I mean, how are you going to well, get? How this do you money? know that? Okay, I mean, they have some idea what they're doing, but that yeah. doesn't make any that doesn't make any <laughs> sense though. You know what I mean, though? It's like you, we're not going to pay for it, but they're going to pay for it. But how? I mean, are you going to make them set aside their money? That doesn't make any sense. Why, why, would, they be, why would Bank of America want to set aside you know, 1% of its monthly profits so that you know, in, case, in case Wells Fargo fails, they're bailed, they're bailed, they are there to bail them out? That doesn't make any sense. And they're not going to set aside 1% of their money to save themselves because that doesn't make any sense. If they needed to save themselves, they'd use their own resources.
1: Well, I think the only argument in favor of this would be similar to kind of the how the European Union operates. You can see Oh, that's a good business model. Well, I'm not saying it's a good model. I'm I'm just just saying their logic and how Greece has gone bankrupt and all the other countries have then had to bail out the Greek government with 33 billion, I believe it is, or something like that. Yeah, something like that. I think it's something close to that. And. They have to bail them out so that the continued success of the European Union will continue. So, I think the idea is this communal belief in the success of the U.S. economy and that it's their responsibility to keep each other going. However, but, but then in there's competition. Exactly. Exactly. That's where I think the logic goes to yep. the wayside.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I just am not in favor of government bailing out any business. I All just right. think they should be separate. But-
1: Since we're talking about President Obama, President Obama is changing how America talks about the world. Countries deemed rogue states by the Bush administration are now described as outliers, and the term Islamic radicalism is being ousted for the less religious violent term violent extremism. Also, in an important speech Obama gave last week, he omitted the word terrorism. The word was left out as part of a larger effort to remove focus from the issue when it comes to the U.S.'s relations with other Muslim nations. Now, in a TV interview, Senator Joe Lieberman said in response to this speech, the failure to identify our enemy for what it is, violent Islamic extremism, is offensive and contradicts thousands of years of accepted military and intelligence doctrine to, quote, know your enemy. So... First question, does it matter that, Obama, that President Obama is changing what we call our enemy? Absolutely.
0: This soft, this soft rhetoric that he uses, this, this non-accusing tone, is, is not helping. I mean, it, it, it doesn't make sense. I mean, call it what it is. Why do you need to make these politically correct terms for terrorism and rogue states? I mean, you may not like the term, but I mean, you can't soften it like that. I mean, part of dealing with your enemies is, is, is calling them for
2: what they are and going after them. Yeah, I agree. I think it would have been fine if uh, we originally started calling them with this, but the transition from a softer language it sends out a very bad message saying, Oh, well, we're going to let you yeah, walk we're, over we're, us. We're going to be softer on you. And so you can do what you want. We'll, we'll just keep going down and just let you do what you want.
1: But what about, I mean, there are a lot of countries involved that are not Islamic. I right. Mean, well, North that, Korea. That's why not- the
0: term rogue state was there.
1: Yeah. But I don't really see any problem with removing Islamic. What, what was the old term? Islamic radicalism with violent extremism. Because we're entering an era where, I mean, there are Americans who are doing this, and a lot of them may be Muslim Americans, but I really don't think that, I think that it is a specific generalization that really leads to you over-focusing on one group so and I forgetting would, would, about, I think, it. There's, I think that the term makes you forget that that is not really at the cause of it.
2: That's that's a very good point. Well, why do we have to replace it? Why can't we use both? And yeah, exactly. Call which states are the fundamentalists and the other states who are not. Beyond
0: the PR side of this, I mean, it's a bad political move. You, you, you should use these stigmatizing words to create and invoke the sensation of, of, you know, I don't want to say hatred, but anger towards these things that aren't right, you know, I mean, not, I mean, depending on your opinion. But you know what I'm trying to say, though? It's kind of hard to put into words, but you want to stay with these stigmatizing, harsh words because it can you know, get people motivated to care about a certain issue.
1: Yes, but it also don't those terms also motivate the outlying nations?
0: Whatever like, don't we do, they- they're going to be motivated. So I don't really buy into that argument. I mean, no matter what we call you know, Osama bin Laden and his followers, they're still going to want to destroy our country. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't matter what we call them. It, it does not matter at all. So that argument holds no water.
1: Alright. Um, is it, now my other question is, is it is making the change, do you consider, well, I guess you've already answered this, but the political blowback that he's getting from a lot of foreign policy uh, theorists and just, you you know, just your average conservative talking head, do you think that it's worth the blowback politically?
2: Absolutely not. He's already failing in his poll numbers. Why add something else to make him fall any lower? No one is happy with him right now, and all those conservatives are just going to have another reason to attack him, saying we're being soft on terrorism now. Yeah, I would,
0: I would agree with that partially, but um, I think it, what, what seems to be this really disturbing trend in what this administration is doing is they're, they're coming out with a policy, and then the political side – or the, the, pol- the, bleh, the pundits, I'm sorry. The pundits and the, the media and the citizens are all going you know, – they're angry over what he's doing, and then he backs off and changes it. Case in point, NASA. He said that we're not going we're going to cancel it, the constellation program. We're not going to do any of this stuff. We'll talk about this later in the show. I was going to say we're getting yeah, to that. I know, topic. but the, but the point is that he says these things and then there's this huge political and public outcry, backs off and then changes entirely. He's done it with a couple other things. I just it doesn't make sense. But see, what do you it's think what about the
1: argument though because the main point of this and the main focus or the main point of not saying the word terrorism is to remove the focus in terms of U.S. relations with Muslim nations. He's trying to improve relations by, is, not, by not isolating it as a, such a major issue.
2: It is a major issue, though. That's true. But terrorism, <laughs> terrorism
0: is not necessarily tied to Islam. When I think of terrorism, I don't think of Islamic terrorists. I think of terrorism, people that want to kill innocent civilians. But how many Americans do? A, a, a good point, but that doesn't justify the change, I don't think. I mean, terrorism is what, we, what we're focused on as a country in terms of national defense, but changing it from Islamic terrorism, I mean, it doesn't make any sense. It just it, – why soften the word if it's not you – know, Well, the I just, point
1: of softening the word is to make sure that the focus – I mean I said this earlier, but it's to make sure that you don't forget that it's not just Islamic radicalists.
0: I'll give you that. I mean any kind of radicalism – Radicalism and fundamentalism is very dangerous No matter what religion or what belief you are Very fundamentalist views like that Are very dangerous mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll concede
1: that point Alright now Ryan brought it up About the tr- about people's opinion about Barack Obama But in a Pew poll Released Sunday 78% of Americans said they do not trust Or have little faith In the federal government Now this is one of the lowest points The federal government has been In terms of trust in half a century the study showed that Obama's policies were partly to blame. Mainly the $787 billion stimulus package and the overhaul of the healthcare system are really stemming this. And only 22%, to put that in other terms, 22% of Americans trust the federal government. Now, their reasons, like I said, were the stimulus package and the healthcare system. But why do you guys think the trust is is so low?
0: People are starting to feel. So I, don't, I hate quoting this, but Ron Paul said this, the heavy hand of government. I mean, the article mentions that people talk about that they feel it in everyday life and people don't like that. People don't want to feel like the government is there every day. They want to know they exist, but they don't want to feel the existence in everything they do. And when they're out of jobs and when they're out of money and they see the government throwing around billions of dollars, they're going to get upset about it and that's just going to translate into no trust.
1: Also, just as a side note, I don't want to move too far off topic, but last week in the middle of the week, a different pew poll was released that had Barack Obama when in terms of who they would support, where Americans were asked who they would support for president, Barack Obama got forty two percent, Representative Ron Paul got forty one. So that I mean that that's an interesting it's 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 interesting that you
2: chose to quote that person. Well, I just want to give a shout out to Barack Obama and say he's done a good job. He really advocated for the hope he changed stuff. Unfortunately, it just went the other direction of what he wanted. Uh, people actually hate the government even more now uh, since Obama's been in. Well,
0: it's because that's, that's, no, that's, that's a good point we should go with. It. I mean, he promised all these change and all this hope, and people bought into it, which, I mean, bless them if they want to do that, but um, they bought into this idea that they're going to – that everything's going to change and be different, and they're seeing that, well, it's practically the same thing. So people are just disenfranchised with the government,
1: and I think But prob- see, I also think part of that is that they don't understand. I mean, he... Because... Of, I've said this a hundred times on this show but it's so surprising how good of a communicator he was campaigning versus his communication to the people while he's been in office because nobody understands what's in the healthcare legislation and now we're hearing about corrections are starting and it's going a little bit back into Congress and the Senate is doing making changes and all this other business and we really have no idea what's going on so I think a lot of the anger is just the lack of communication especially from an administration that talks up transparency so much. I think they've done a good job, but they haven't done a good job of, I don't like this term, but talking down the legislation. Like average Americans don't have time. You can put the healthcare bill up on the White House website and you can bullet point it as much as you want. But we all know that in 2000 pages, there's a lot more than 10 bullet points. Right. And I don't like, and I think a lot of people don't like that we're only seeing these ten bullet points over and over and over. What is the other fifteen hundred pages talking about?
2: I I just don't think he's transitioned well in the campaign. He talked about these big broad ideas. And he never really had to talk about the specifics. And he just, he just doesn't know how to talk to the people about it. Well, I
0: don't know if this he doesn't know how. If you look at the, you can talk with this this emotional rhetoric that he succeeded so well in the campaign trail with on these big issues you can talk about you know not raising taxes for certain people and you can talk about health care reforming and you can talk about financial reform in these big broad terms that you can get really empowered but but once you get dumbed down into the spec- no, i'm sorry not dumbed down but once you get down into the little specifics it gets hard to be you know this huge it's hard to get excited about you know the little details of things—it's just hard to communicate emotions with little details. Is what I'm yeah, and I mean,
1: every president goes through this their second year in their term. Everybody gets a little unhappy. This is when the nitty-gritty of the getting anything done actually happens. But yes, people are, are a little
2: pro- bit more unhappy with Obama than most presidents. Still,
1: yeah. That means I am. I I just think that what well, what was hold on let me check this might be my next question. Now, okay, yes, it is. Now, is it, I, is it just the result of an active government? I mean, a government that's actually doing something. Is that just what happens? Because you're watching them do things. People disagree. People don't have time to quite understand. I mean, there was a lot of uproar when Social Security was passed. We hear this rhetoric all the time from the administration about the, the th- legislation passed in the 60s. Is it just Americans' reaction to not having a government that they can... Say isn't doing anything, or do you consider one bill over the course of a one major bill over the course of the year an act of government at all? I you
0: bring up some interesting points, and that that's some that's probably better debate. Because I somewhat. do not,
1: I don't, I would not yeah. call this an act of government, but a lot of people would. I I, I, I
0: I just think it's it's a result of of people not. I mean, what we've passed, what the health care bill that passes, is a very very fundamental belief of people and it has to deal with a lot of ideology between you know what what they think the government should do for them as well as you know what what their role in other things should be but when you get i mean it's just this huge moral disagreement so when you get people upset about these things it's going to seem like they're more upset about you know
2: even they're going to be more animated about their emotions does that make sense what i'm trying to say Kind of. I want to touch on the active government. If you'll go back into our shows and listen, uh, like two months ago, you'll hear us talk about stories of Obama not doing anything and all of his emotions failing. The only thing he's actually Mm -hmm. done is the healthcare, and so I'm not in the bailouts and the bailouts and just domestically,
1: he's done quite a bit for foreign policy.
2: Yeah, and and I don't think it 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 is that active uh, because just a little stint of not doing anything and then having a few things done. I don't think it is that active of, of a government. I would agree with that statement.
1: All right. Now, do you think then, okay, since everyone is so unhappy, and this is a very broad question, but are there changes or anything that, you, I mean, what, what are possible solutions to improving people's trust in government?
0: I, I think you hit on a key point earlier with, with the communication. They need to explain what's being passed. People don't like to see it, like you said, a 2,000-page bill and then hear 10 points about it. I think they need to you know, explain what's in it, but you can't, you can't expect the president to do that. You can't expect him to just, you know, dedicate a three hour speech to what's in the bill. He's got other things to deal with. But you have to find some kind of some kind of agency that can break that down and say, you know, this section is about this and, and that and I, I don't so know. So is how it you a failure deal. of the press? No, I wouldn't say it's necessarily the press because I mean the press their job is, is to report on these kind of things, but they also have other things to deal with. I think it's a failure of the entire system. I think everyone can take a little responsibility for not communicating
1: well. All right. Well, let's, let's,
0: shall we? Let's play a PSA, and we'll be right back. Let's keep the show rolling here with another article. Uh, Federal security workers are now free to snoop through more than just your undergarments and luggage at the airport. Thanks to a recent series of federal court decisions, the digital belongings of international flyers are now open for inspection. This includes reading saved emails on your laptop, scanning the address book of your iPhone or Blackberry, and closely scrutinizing your digital vacation snapshots. This comes after an individual was suspected of downloading child pornography on an internet chat room at an airport in Houston. The FBI flagged his passport and searched his belongings, both physical and electronic, without a warrant. Warrant. So my question to you guys, should this be allowed? Should they be able to track your digital belongings and look through that without a warrant? I don't. Just like it's part of a standard security
2: check? I don't think so. I don't think that's the TSA's job to be going through. Uh, TSA's job is to be protecting uh, the flights, and I don't see any potential risk of uh, downloadable documents uh, that it could have on the flights.
1: Well, I mean, in in their defense, there are that you could figure out someone's intent based on the downloaded document what terrorist
0: is going to come on a plane with with a word document that says step 1 get out of chair step 2 well, what get the knife i mean is coming on, on a plane with any
2: form of exactly. uh, electronic I, I just anyways? Don't,
0: i don't think that that if there is these kind of things it's not it's not going to be explicitly written i mean why why are you going to have that stuff i mean the and especially for i mean yes this guy's a creep this child pornographer guy but that's not i agree with ryan that's not the tsa's job it's local authorities job. i mean the fbi was tracking this guy and the fbi saw him and instead of instead of you know using any other kind of you know government agency to you know stop him any kind of police force they just flagged his passport and then made them made the tsa search without a warrant and i i just think that's a clear violation of the constitution or bill of rights rather
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't have a, I don't disagree I was just trying to advocate the other opinion
2: no I, I understand that um, do
0: you guys do you guys think it's an invasion
2: of privacy I, of, of course it is I, I think they're going is, through personal documents that they don't have a right to look through yeah I, I just it's not there's not really much to talk about but it's just something that is
0: interesting um, you guys said you don't think it's provide any useful evidence because no one's gonna write or you know write any of this stuff down I I just don't see this as being a problem. Anyway, let's move on. There's not much to talk about there. Um, Lizbeth Sirani, this is a weird name, of Newton, Massachusetts, developed an aggressive form of breast cancer in both breasts at age 42. She wanted to be tested for mutations of the BRCA gene, which would tell her whether she was at high risk for ovarian cancer. However, a company owns a patent on these genes as well as a test to check for these genes, and they do not work with their insurance company, which is a form of Medicaid. So do
2: you guys think it's right that this company can patent genes? No, not the way they're doing it, no. Because uh, she developed this uh, mutation, this form of cancer. And uh, the pharmaceutical company did not develop this. They just patented uh, the gene that she is naturally developing. And so I I cannot possibly see why they have the right to patent uh, what they got. Uh, and just, it's just the pharmaceutical company just being horrible to people who need help. Yeah, I mean, it'd be one thing if it was like a genetic treatment or like a genetic medicine, but
0: the fact that it's just the gene and they're saying that we own this gene and any kind of research done on this has to be done through us, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, they have no control over that.
1: It's a continued, I mean, it's a continued problem within the healthcare system. We have these kind of random, weird... Con- controls within the pharmaceutical companies. I mean, they all seem to be able to do this without much question. And I think we need to... This cannot be allowed. You cannot allow research to be done through one entity because they can't be allowed to profit fully from it. I just don't think... Because you're not going to make medical progress.
2: Well, right. I I think you should be able to patent uh, if you genetically modify genes.
0: Right. Yeah. If you do something, but if it's a naturally occurring if, thing... If it's naturally yeah, occurring, there's can't no way you can do it. that. I mean... I, I can just see someone arguing that you know oil is naturally occurring, but you can you know lay claim to that. But that's entirely different. It's not a human being. I mean, the fact that it's naturally occurring and it's random. It's not like it's it's not like you can you know choose to have this or, or certain things you know make this happen. I mean, it it just doesn't make any sense that they have any control over that. It doesn't make no sense.
2: To put an analogy to this, uh, you can patent uh, the genetic modification of corn, but you cannot patent the corn itself. That's that's a brilliant way to put it. Um, And we said, you guys think this is different than patenting
0: genetic medicine, right?
2: Yeah, it's completely different. You can't
0: patent something that's naturally occurring in the body. All right, so uh, just just a broad question. Where do you think the line should be drawn between allowing these patents and not? I mean, should the company have to physically do something to the genes
2: or what? I think you should have, the company actually has to change something to be able to say, this is our product and we should have the rights to this.
0: I would agree with that. All right, let's move along.
2: All right, uh, now uh, to answer the Know Your Nation question. Uh, well, I'll repeat it. Uh, what did FDR want to do with the Supreme Court during the Great Depression? Do you guys know? I have no idea. Let's
1: stack it with uh, liberals, wasn't
2: it? Uh, kind of. The wa- federal,
1: I know he wanted to do that with federal judges.
2: He wanted to increase the number of judges. So that he could stack so it. So he could stack it. Because uh. all of his uh, uh, laws during the Great Depression were being struck down as unconst- unconstitutional. So he actually wanted to stack the court so he could say, oh, no, no, my judges say that this actually is constitutional. So Ah, don't strike this down. Tricky FDR. Yes, (laughs) tricky FDR. All right, for our next topic. This ties in perfectly. It does. Uh, Bill Clinton wants Obama to be looking at other candidates besides judges to fill the empty Supreme Court seat. Bill himself does not want the seat, nor does he want his wife to be on the Supreme Court, saying they're both too old and Obama should be looking for someone a lot younger. So... What do you guys think? Uh, should Obama be looking for other candidates besides judges to be put on the Supreme Court of the United States? That is the
0: dumbest thing I think I've ever heard. Why would you do that? Why would you take someone, put them in the the highest prestigious role in that industry, in that field, and make them have no experience? I mean, I understand wanting the common person's interpretation of things, but you have to kind of know the background of the law and you know the foundations for these things. You can't just put a random commenter or just a random you know. You can't put, I don't think you can put just a, a lawyer with good experience. I think, I mean, you have to have experience at multiple levels of judgeship in order to to do something. I mean, it doesn't make any sense at all to me. I think that could be one of the dumbest things I've ever, ever heard him say.
1: Well, see, there have been several Supreme Court justices who did not serve as a judge before.
0: I, well, that's, I just don't agree with that. That doesn't make any sense. Why would you have somebody who has no experience?
1: But you can have the, experience with the law without being a judge.
0: Yeah, but it's it's different though cuz as as a Supreme Court justice especially, you're going to be interpreting the law. It's different than, you know, being a lawyer and suing someone over a law cuz I mean, you you can make up your own interpretation as a lawyer and try and convince people, but if you're the one being convinced, you have to know the law and all the other things that are tied to it and these these precedents that exist. I'm not saying people don't know that, but I'm just saying you need to have experience in that field if you're going to be deciding some of these huge issues that's, that the Supreme but Court decides. Correct me
2: if I'm wrong, but uh, the procedures of the Supreme Court are a, a lot different from just a usual uh, courtroom, isn't it? They have completely different yes, procedures correct. and everything. Right. So I don't think they explicitly need courtroom experience. They definitely need uh, law experience, but I'm not sure they need judge experience.
1: Yeah, and I think that although, yes, we like to perpetuate the idea that judges are not biased, they're all biased. They have political ideologies, and although many try to be, I mean, they all try to be as, you know, Middle middle road Center as they can, as they can yeah. yeah. But I think that the we, I mean, part of how we appoint people to the Supreme Court is their ideology, and it's the most considered factor by a president because you want to have an appropriate number of liberals and an appropriate number of conservatives. Because yeah, you can find someone who can interpret the law, but they're going to interpret the law differently.
2: I, I but if right. you're finding uh, people without uh, bench experience, wouldn't that perpetuate the problem of uh, biases? yeah i
0: i think that's a good point because i mean if, if you're in a if you're in a judge role you're 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 gonna be more in aware of what your you know biases are and how to get past that
1: i would think i don't know i would i i don't think that they need to be a judge before do you I do you
0: guys think that he actually is trying to play for for the for the supreme court because he's, oh no i don't want it but no. Uh, I, I can see it because that's how people do with presidencies. Like, oh, no, I'm never going to run. Should I? Should I run? Okay, I'll run. I mean, I, is he doing something like that? Like, Supreme Court? No. I think I mean, he's really? enjoying okay. his life
2: too much right now. Bill Clinton's having a good life right now. I, 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 I just can't be, see him Bill on the Supreme Clinton Court. Bill Clinton is not going to be on the
1: Supreme Court. No. <laughs> it's uh, not. No. All right, not, nor, nor his he's wife. He's not
0: going to be approved. I, wasn't, I Okay. I wasn't saying he would be approved. But do you think he's trying to get his name in there?
2: No. He's no. smart enough to know that. That I would never it would. happen. Yeah. Okay. I a, Hillary, Hillary, Hillary
1: Clinton was brought up as well, and that was the White House came out immediately and said no. <laughs> that's not real. But they. I mean, they've dropped other names. But Bill Clinton is not. That is not Good. legitimate. All okay. right.
2: We're gonna move on to the next topic. Um, Iowa's worst performing schools are deciding not to take federal money to improve their schools. The state received $19 million to help turn around the failing schools, but for the schools to get any of this money, they would have to have such reforms as closing some of the schools down, laying off teachers, and replacing principals. The schools could get $500,000 to $2 million each, but but they state it'd be too hard to make the changes to get these millions of dollars for their schools. So do you guys think uh, the schools should be trying, at least attempting to make these changes to be getting the money?
1: I do not think that it's too hard is ever... An acceptable excuse. But
2: it's so hard. Teachers' unions. Who
1: cares? Get. I'm, <laughs> I'm all about getting rid of the union for teachers because it just perpetuates. It protects. I don't believe one teacher's job is worth destroying countless students' futures. No. So it just doesn't work that way. I think that that is not a legitimate excuse. If you disagree with the policies themselves, then okay. Because I, I think, I mean, education is mainly a state issue, and then money is how the federal government gets in there. But if you, if you don't disagree and you think they're good, but you just think it's going to be too hard, then just be quiet
2: and do it. You know, and why wouldn't you even want to try? This is millions of dollars of money that can go to you. Why would you not want to do this? I don't understand why they're trying to protect
0: these principals. One of the key things they didn't like was that you have to get rid of your principal or the superintendent. Obviously, they're not doing a good job if you're in the worst performing schools. Mm-hmm. Why why are you trying to protect that? That doesn't make any sense.
1: Well, another argument that they were making, which has turned off several states to the new program, is that they had a, the big first race to the top competition and then only two states won and they created a $100,000 limit, I think, or a $130,000 limit on or 130 million, sorry, much more money than that. Yes. And the Iowa the Iowa schools argue that they'd need 200 and some million so it's just like why even try if we can't get the appropriate amount of money but it's a hundred million dollars to do legitimate things with your education system
0: yeah it's, it's not like it's not like it's either all or none i mean it's not like you can't improve exactly. your. like you have to have 200 million dollars to improve your school if you get any less than that nothing's going to happen mm-hmm. that doesn't make any sense I, I just i feel like there's some kind of these people that are involved with these districts are trying to protect the people that they know. And I mean, because it's in smaller
2: towns, and we all, and I, I think it's fair and to it's assume tough. It's,
1: I think it's also tough for them to attract new talent. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. And yeah, no, with this million dollars, they could always get more microphones and speakers in the classrooms. Uh, oh, my. <laughs> all right, let's uh, move on. That's so, uh, of that. so, next question uh, Do you think uh, this is being counterproductive to Obama's reform of the education system?
0: Because yeah, the money's
2: I, not going to the schools that he wants to help the most. Right,
0: I, I would agree with that. I think that it's counterproductive because he's trying to help these schools and they're just saying, no, we don't want your help. he you just got to figure out ways to get them the money. So I does just, he need to give them more money then? Say, if you make these changes, we'll give you even more? No, I don't think you need to do that. You need to find a way of someone else doing it, some
1: do it. I think that he needs to find a way, because the federal government, like I said, doesn't necessarily have power here unless they make the deal financially. So if he wants to create legitimate change, he's going to have to find a different power route that he can enforce something through, I mean, it's going to have to come from the state government. Yeah. All right. So, in our next topic, oh, what oh, oh, we, oh, we need to do, a, gonna, we need I to do a grand, grand spot. spot. That's All where right, we're going. we'll do a grand spot. <laughs> our next topic, we're going to go to Fort Dodge, Iowa. Now Fort Dodge, Iowa has been lobbying for a casino for quite some time as the Iowa gaming commission has been periodically giving out licenses. Now, however, when the Ga- Iowa Gaming Commission visited Fort Dodge two weeks ago, 1,200 Dodgers showed up to show their support for the casino. Now, this is actually a very controversial issue in Fort Dodge. Not everyone is behind a casino as a possible solution for you know, a local economy. And, but the city made a, an extremely controversial call and allowed city employees who supported the casino to have the paid morning off to go to this support rally while also telling employees who wanted to oppose construction of the casino that they would have to take an unpaid day off and could not get paid like the employees that supported it. So, Fort Dodge officials have been very transparent with this and fully believe in the legality of this decision because the city council and mayor fully support a casino, so it is a city policy. And that is their argument. Now, is the Fort Dodge city government allowed to pay people because they dis- not to pay people because they disagree? Wow. I
0: I don't know if they're not allowed to, but it's certainly not ethical. I sure wouldn't want to be from Fort Dodge. I'm sorry, Alex. I'm just kidding.
1: It's fine. I'm from there. Now, to give a little background, Fort Dodge, I mean, for 20 years, it was known from the mid 80s or so, there was a lot of uh, just racial tensions because schools that were economically, that ended up economically segregating, essentially, the town were forced to become together and it's caused a lot of tension and created a lot of negative images of Fort Dodge that have perpetuated but in the past 10 years the town has made drastic and dramatic moves to try and improve itself they've under they're undergoing currently like massive beautification and all of these things to really completely redo the town and one of the major new issues is to try and bring in a casino along with several other large businesses and the casino is the only and by far most controversial plan in the reconstruction of Fort Dodge so i just i'm really shocked that the city would do this because it just creates more controversy around an incredibly controversial issue
2: and I would if I didn't want a casino and I was not getting paid while my uh, coworkers were, I would be pissed. <laughs> oh my I, I word, would, uh, I'd be angry. I would, I would, uh, I would so fight it, even harder than I could. Is it casino. a violation
1: of free speech?
0: That's a, certainly a good question. Is
1: that is that what's going on? It's slipping into the national issue. I mean, if the ACLU finds out, oh, they will. It's going to be.
2: Well, Interesting. I'm not sure it's a violation, if but they they're giving one. more rights to the people that they agree with. but I'm not sure it's a violation of free speech.
1: Well, because it's a city-supported issue, mm. so mm. boy, that's you tough. can. I mean, uh. it's like paying a lobbying group to pay mm-hmm. for those people to go out there, and they also got in some trouble because they essentially they were there were eight protesters. That's all they could get to show up to oppose it, and they were. Cornered off in a little area that they could protest, that was essentially hidden from the gaming commission. So oh. it's been a very, because very shady. <laughs> yes, yes, it's been very shady. This is a
2: brand new mayor
1: as well. Ooh, oh, well, good so, for him. <laughs> Really opening up well in the first term.
2: All right. Uh, well, to go off this Fort Dodge uh, controversy, uh, Chet Culver is under investigation for campaign contributions by the proposed Fort Dodge Casino Company. Three people. Uh, this is a little complicated. Follow me. Three people were paid $25,000 each by this gaming uh, company for services. And then these three members then gave $5,000 to the Culver campaign. Uh, They state it was not uh, because the Gaming Commission directed them to. It was because they fully supported Culver and had $5,000 on hand to give to them.
0: Mm. Yeah. So <laughs> it's the whole, this the whole thing is just shady. Everything yeah. about it is just, yeah.
1: So it's just, do you think that's con- not helping the image they're trying to change? <laughs> exactly.
2: <laughs> do you think the con, uh, the contributions were given illegally? Do you think, uh, the gaming commission directed these people here, we'll give you this money and we'll give you even extra, but for $5,000 of it, you must give it to Culver. Do you think that actually happened behind closed doors? Ah, uh, it, it's so hard to say what
0: people were intended unless you can find these, these, you know, concrete emails or telephone yeah. calls or, to find
1: something written
0: down. I just don't think. I just don't think there's a new way of saying that. Oh, this, you know, you can't accuse someone of what they were giving their money for. So, but it just, it just it it's another sketchy.
1: thing that you that you
2: can attach to the governor that's just a little off kilter. But, but for it's three not I- helping
1: Culver. But yeah. for
2: three individuals uh, who are paid by this Gaming Commission to give there the is- maximum amount. It raises questions. There is certainly some questions that need to be raised and,
0: and Culver, judging by his past history of dealing with public controversies, is not going to talk about it for a month or so and then he'll mention something kind of that doesn't really reference it. So, I just, it's another... No, I mean, that's what he does. I, you know, it's what he does and you know it. I just, I think that I think it's, it's not gonna be bad bad on uh, all of them. Uh, nah. <laughs> I just I just don't I just think it's gonna come back and bite him. So do you think Culver had anything to do with this? No. Uh, you've, uh, there's no way it's he had the gaming the
1: commission. Yeah, yeah, it, it's between the gaming commission, on.
0: but it, yeah, he has nothing to do with it. I, I just don't think it'll look good for him. I mean, regardless of whether he had anything to do with it or not, people are gonna associate him with that. Mm-hmm. And that's the important thing. Yes.
1: Right. Now for our final topic, we're going to discuss something that has been all over the airwaves last week. Lots of astronauts have come out in droves and written several letters. Now, the space program, President Obama, and Marcus mentioned it earlier, has changed U.S. policy and funding for NASA. He shut down the Constellation Program, which was President Bush's program to put Americans back on the moon by 2020, was it?
0: Uh, yeah, I believe I think that. it was
1: 2020, yeah. something like it that. It was 2020, and they were creating a new rocket, and it was called the Ares, and there was just this whole new thing. And then the Obama administration decided that it was too much money, the expense was not worth it, and that we needed to partly privatize space, and it's going to shut down the sh- space shuttle program as well as keep really any American space shuttles. Of any form, rockets or whatever, and keep men, keep humans off, out of space travel for about 20 years. He has reoriented the goals to Mars and also landing on an asteroid before we land on Mars. And so, man will not, Americans would not return to space through on an American vehicle until about 2030 on the current plan. So the first question after that ridiculous. Explanation. I apologize. Now, should the pro should the constellation program have been ceased after the pro- progress had been already been made. I
0: completely disagree with the president on this. I mean the shuttle program was decided to be retired already. I mean I mean that was it was already just that. That was a bush, by, decision, was a bush yeah. decision. But it was also they were also only supposed to last till like in the nineties. So they were already twenty years past what they were supposed to the, they were early two thousands where they're supposed to be retired. So they're already past what they were supposed to be. But If his real goal is to get to Mars, why would you stop what we already have and try and land on an asteroid? I mean, why wouldn't you just try and land on the moon, which is similar more to a planet than an asteroid? I mean, it just doesn't make sense. They've already put money into this. They've already got some great stuff. They've already had, what, six test launch or something like that?
1: Well, yeah, but I mean, the argument against the Ares rocket was that it didn't function properly. And that they needed to go back and make revisions anyway. So why not just kill the program? I think a bigger issue is also jobs during an economic crisis. Mm -hmm. Now, the other question is, is waiting 20 years before an American returns to space with a U.S. aircraft going to put us behind others? And is that going to have a negative effect? Absolutely.
2: 100% true. It's the next frontier. We need to get out there. And we're explorers. We like to explore. We need to go out there. And go to Mars, explore beyond that. Just what's next?
0: Exactly. I mean, we we've always been at the forefront of space travel. I mean, we weren't the first in space, but we have, by far have made the most progress in space. And by just saying, okay, we're not going to do anything for twenty years, what does that do? That puts everyone else twenty years ahead of us, and we have to catch back up. And I mean, it's but if not, we're spending it's not, it's not if spe- we're
1: spending that twenty years prepare, working on passing them. Is that I that true?
0: But here's the thing, though. When you're spending money on space travel, it's not just traveling in space. There's so many technologies that come out of this. Ceramics, plastics, were all invented by NASA scientists trying to figure out how to exist in space. Ceramics. Yes. It, Maybe not. I'm sorry. Like Plastic. I'm okay, sorry, I'm no, sorry. Yeah. Plastics, but All they right. but they've they've created ways of using ceramics as a heat yep. shield on the on
2: the show. Okay. So, I, mean, I got you. this is very you cold war mentality. I completely agree with it, we need to show that we're still a world power and we can do this, and we're better than you are. Well,
0: I mean, it ties into also education reform. I mean, th- the Obama administration has talked about how we need to progress in science and math. Well, that's where a lot of scientists and math people go is NASA. Well, it's
1: inspiration. It's the inspiration to go into that 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 I think is important. You need to see humans performing these kind of acts, but we need to go because the (laughs) clock is ticking. And thank you all for listening. If you would like to comment on anything we've said or suggest topics for next time, please become a fan on Facebook and then write it on our wall. You can follow us on Twitter or email us at informivoresradio at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week.